This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Welcome back. Sensei Michelle here. Say hi, guys. Hi. There's Landon. Hi, everybody. Sensei Jackie. Hi. Sensei Tracy. Hello. And Sensei Sam. Hopefully, recently, you just listened to the interview where Sam spent six months in China. Today, we're moving on to a Japanese concept called wabi-sabi. I love that it rhymes because everyone knows I'm an accidental rhymer. (laughs) Yes. I want to start out with a big shout out to Sensei Haya because she is the person who turned me on to this. I don't know exactly when, but it was about 10 years ago. She brought me a little article that she had found online about it. When I knew I was going to do this as a podcast, I looked up the history and I find this interesting. The concept of wabi-sabi came from the 12th century war in Japan. The 12th century war led to the military leaders running the show, the shoguns. This spawned an attitude of change away from hedonism and towards simplicity and appreciation of impermanence. So simply, you could say that's a description of wabi-sabi, but it's a lot more than that. The concept that I carry in my head is that the beauty of life lies quietly in its miniature imperfections. In other words, what makes it whole, complete, and beautiful is its imperfections. Since I spend some time trying to convince my upper-ranking students not to obsess with their mistakes, accept them gracefully, the way you accept your successes gracefully, it was a wonderful day when Haya brought me that article, turning me on to the idea that not only was imperfection okay, but it was the yang to the yin of success. Or vice versa, if you think I got that one wrong, on the yin-yang thing. (laughs) I have two sources of background on wabi-sabi. Google, of course, and a book called Wabi-Sabi, The Art of Everyday Life by Diane Durston. It turns out there are multiple definitions out there. So here are a few from all the different sources. A view of life that celebrates the acceptance of transience and imperfection. Wabi by itself is imperfect beauty. Sabi is the beauty of impermanence. Both of these definitions came from the Everyday Life book. Wikipedia tells us, and you know how trustworthy that is, (laughs) that we get wabi-sabi as the idea that the more imperfect, impermanent, and incomplete something is, the more beautiful. From an American artist named Leonard Koren, K-O-R-E-N. He wrote about things, though, the wabi-sabi of art, for example. If something gives you a sense of melancholy then it is said to be wabi-sabi. That's what he wrote. So you see, there are a lot of definitions. (laughs) So there's a concept here that the acceptance of imperfection, maybe even a reverence for it, is something that we could take into daily life. Once I read, Zen is finding the extraordinary hidden within the ordinary. I've tried to search for that saying a hundred times since I heard it, and I don't see it anywhere. So if you guys find it somewhere, holler out to me. Okay, back to examples of wabi-sabi. The other day we were closing up a dojo and the wild ducks and the wild swans were squawking. Not as really as pretty as a songbird, but to me it was musical. In my ears it felt so wonderful to hear that. Derek and I both noticed and we both mentioned it. Another bird that does that same thing to me with that really terrible squawk is the sandhill crane. In one of the areas where I go, they have sandhill cranes. If you've never heard them, you should totally Google it because it's like, oh! It's really loud, but whenever I hear them, I smile because it makes me so happy that they're there and that they're doing their life. And at the camp I go to in Wisconsin, 
there's a lot of those sandhill cranes, and it's a interesting noise, but like you said, very, very uh, beautiful. It feels right, exactly, very beautiful. Okay, this takes me back to martial arts and using our tools to accept, appreciate, adapt, and eventually move on from whatever the reality of the moment is, the momentary success, the momentary failure. They both pass as soon as the practitioner is on to the next thing. And that is a skill that I personally have to work all the time, so I'm guessing everybody probably does because I'm not that unusual. Not carrying with you whatever that thing is that has already passed, but somehow it's stuck in your mind. In fact, it just happened to me last night. I, I arrived here at Jackie's and I said, I'm having trouble shaking this one off. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about it from all the different aspects. For example, um, let's go to my favorite subject, the fight, the sparring match. <laughs> and when somebody has a nice tag on you, sometimes it's hard to shake it off and get back to the business of, of focusing. Does anybody have that experience? Yes, and sometimes it's hard uh, not to have a revenge moment in your head. I've got to get him back. I agree with Sensei Jackie, and we, we speak about that in the dojo. And definitely related to ego here okay. is where, right, is where if, the, if, the, if you're immersed in the actual moment, then the outcome is not in your head. But if the outcome is in your head, then your ego is interrupting your immersion into that, into that exact moment. And that is what I'm personally always after, is trying to literally be in the moment, even though it's difficult. Absolutely. It's constantly difficult. And the coolest part of it is, and this is also something that I read from Takuan, when you are in that moment of immersion, you don't know it. You know it historically. You can look yeah. back on yeah. it, but yeah. when it's happening, you don't know it. If you know it, it isn't happening. Right. It's such a plus to be able to stay technical as a fighter in a sparring match and not let any of the things that happen within the sparring match distract you from that. And that is something I think everybody should work towards. So then the distraction is the imperfection. Well, there can be a lot of different distractions. The distraction is inside somebody's own head. Somebody can think they're better than somebody else. Somebody can think this guy's always been a jerk to me. And so I'm taking that into this fight. They can be all over the place, the distractions. I think also the reason for the practice of this fight is also a huge uh, indicator of, of your distractions. So when I I like when I spar, I mostly do it because I enjoy it. But also, I would love to just be able to practice my technique and see this other fighter's technique. So if I'm going in there and this person is going way too hard, that I'm I'm not having fun. Like if this person's purposely trying to hurt me, that I'm not having fun. First, you tell them, all right, this is you're going too hard. You have to stop or else it's over. And you have to be able to control yourself with your ego and not react in a, in a horrible way, which is really difficult sometimes. But I mean, I, I experienced it in China and I had to literally say, stop <laughs> or else I'm, we're, not, we're not doing this. This isn't what we're doing. And he kept going. So I just stopped the fight. I was like, I'm not sparring with you anymore. And which is really difficult because like, I don't know, as a, I guess as a man is the stereotype. It's like, I, I, I don't want to seem like I'm a wimp because I'm backing, I'm supposedly backing down from this fight, but it's also like, I have to dissolve my ego and that maybe that could be seen as actually being more of a man because I'm not letting it get to me and I'm actually just ceasing the, the altercation altogether. I agree with that. Plus, in your instance, while you were in China, you had to be respectful to the rules of that training area. You weren't in charge of it, so you had to be respectful of their rules to do something 
other than what you did would be to be disrespectful to what they wanted in their training facility. Mm. And that is a real test of ego. It is for sure. I 100% agree with that. Another area where we can find that kind of thing is when you redirect an altercation in reality. Yes. Right. And a person will say, well, I don't want that person to think I'm weak. And I will say, I really don't care what that person thinks. Yes. There's a very good chance that we'll never see each other again as long as we live. Right. So for me to actually care what that person thinks is for me to give way to ego, right. but also to the idea that the moment isn't the most important thing. The most important thing is somebody's thoughts of that moment. And that is for sure not wabi-sabi. No. Right? If you're thinking about the, somebody, what somebody thinks of this moment is more important than the actual experience. Right. Mm. It takes practice to be able to redirect somebody. We've done two or three podcasts on that one. The first one with Randy way back when we were doing, I believe, self-control. Yes. My personal favorite thing, the magic trick of all time. <laughs> all right. For anybody who likes to take chances, and that's everybody sitting at this table, <laughs> it's imperative that you come to grips with the idea that things aren't going to be perfect every minute of every day. That's part of the whole chance-taking thing. Adventures by nature, are events that are not made Disney-esque. It's not a show put on for you so that you think that, you know, it's a world of laughter. So it's important to have the internal skills to be able to push on through that. I'm distracted myself right here because I'm reminded of one time I was on a vacation with my mom and possibly Sensei Jackie. And at one point, my mom looked at Sensei Jackie and said, it's always an adventure with her. Meaning me. (laughs) I know. (laughs) When things weren't going as planned. That's funny. Okay, back on track. A lot of times in this podcast, we've talked about the benefits of meditation. Did they talk about that when you were in China? They didn't really talk about it, but we did meditate. On Thursdays, the first lesson we had was Qigong. So we would do, you know, breathing techniques and these meditative type body techniques. And then after we were done with uh, Qigong, we would meditate for the rest of class. If you listen to uh, his interview, sounds like Thursday was a very busy day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very very active. Yeah, and then after the meditating, so you're in this state of, you know, well-being, it was conditioning. So we, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so after, after we were in such a nice state, we would literally hit each other and hit trees until our arms and hands were sore and bruised. Like you said, you earned those noodles. okay moving on there's a really beautiful meditation about the reflection of the moon on the water are all of you familiar with it i am it's sensei lydia's favorite meditation she should be here to tell you but i'll give it to you real short you you close your eyes and you make a beautiful vision of a of a dark black sky and the moon rising up on the horizon and on the land is a lake also dark And as the moon rises and rises, it goes from being just in the sky to being reflected back in the water. And notwithstanding that the objective of all meditation is focus, but the objective also of this meditation, I think, please write me and fix me if you have other opinions, is to explain one of the concepts of wabi-sabi that something, in this case the moon, that does this extraordinary moment. It is some kind of beauty to watch a a giant full moon in the sky, and then again, right in front of you on the land. It's something that if you haven't ever seen it, you should try to make a point of it. And where this concerns Wabi Sabi is, the moon didn't wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going all out 
and do that beautiful thing for Michelle because <laughs> she needs that today. It's just existing. And in its existence, I get to experience that pretty moment. And that is the point of this meditation is that we are supposed to live like that. Like that moon. Yeah, that's right. a trick. And then I know. I know. I'm pushing the envelope here in concepts, but that is what's supposed to happen. And wow. that is what this meditation is about. Another one that they use is the songbird. Hmm. When the songbird is on the wire and you happen to hear the song, it isn't meant for you. That's that bird is just doing its thing. Right. No more than the sandhill cranes are trying to hurt somebody else's eardrums. <laughs> And the fact that you get to enjoy it and, and you get to see and experience that beauty is inconsequential to the action that's happening. And that is how we're supposed to live. So purely are our actions that the appreciation or the lack of appreciation by someone else is supposed to be inconsequential. Yeah, that's tricky work if you can get it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> but still, it steps back to what we were just saying about ego, and especially if we take it into confrontations that happen on the street, right? Yeah. For me to just do the right thing is for me to do the right thing. I can't be the only person sitting at this table, except Landon didn't do it, that has cut somebody off in traffic accidentally recently. Oh, every day. Probably. By accident, I cut this guy off in traffic just yesterday. He was so mad. And I kept going, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry, I really didn't see you. And he was giving me all kinds of arm signals. And he came up beside me and he was yelling at me. And I said, right through the glass, I'm really sorry it was an accident. And he just went on with his business. But I could have been another kind of person in another kind of day and another kind of mood that made that into something that it wasn't. And I wasn't folding inwardly, which is what you were talking about when you made that decision in China, right? You weren't folding inwardly in the situation. You were choosing the correct path. And that was me in this situation. And it does take a containment of ego to do something like that, not to catch their, what do we want to call that? Bad, bad attitude? Spirit, mm-hmm. Their vibe. Bad spirit, bad, bad vibe. Like Those are all that. good ways to say it. Energy, aura. Exactly. Any decision you make that comes from your chi line is a powerful, powerful thing. That's what I think this subject is all about, yes. is making it work, coming to terms with it, and moving on to the next step, right? Absolutely. That's right. Definitely. The takeaway here is that a need to hide imperfection or constantly search only for perfection limits the adventures of life. And that ability to still adapt within the imperfections is the road that we're going to end up being on, like it or not. Just for fun, let's guesstimate a number of how much time is spent in imperfection as opposed to perfection. I'm going to go 20 hours a day, six days a week. That's my number. What do you got? I'm going to go with 18 hours a day, four days a week. Ooh. Um, 19 hours a day, <laughs> three days a week. Yeah. Okay, well, you done with that? You don't no. want to play that game? No, no, no. I don't even know what it no is. No math. No math. How, how much time out of a week is spent in imperfection as opposed to everything is so perfect? Oh, how how much is imperfect? Imperfect? Twenty four seven is it? It's, we're always imperfect. Yeah, it would be more than three days but a week. The thing is, the I thing didn't is, realize that. I'm someone that thinks imperfection is perfection. That's which is the whole point yeah. of this podcast that you fit here. Right. Yeah, so it's both sides of the coin. Okay, I'm going to finish off by reading some of the sayings that were in the book that Hay gave me all those years ago. Salvador Dali said, agreeing with you, Sam. Have no fear of perfection. You will never reach it. Right. 
a man named Juan Ramon Jimenez said, a permanent state of transition is man's most noble condition. That's like an existential philosophy uh, point that I learned in college, which is crazy. Most of this stuff is kind of existential. And my goal is to make it not seem so out there, I'll never be able to get it. Because it's really simple. You just put it in your head to try, and when it doesn't work, you try again. And then you continue to try again until you're no longer on this planet. Sorry I went there. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Back to Mahatma Gandhi. We'll go from me. That's weird. (laughs) My imperfections and failures are as much a blessing from God as my successes and my talents. True. Yeah. Okay, here, read the whole thing and say it. (laughs) Certain flaws are necessary for the whole. It would seem strange if old friends lacked certain quirks. That's from Goethe. Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't about to touch that one. Here's how he spelled it, G-O-E-T-H-E. I never knew how to pronounce that, so thank you, Sensei. Say it again. Goethe. Goethe. It's um, a German. It's German. See it? I would have said Goethe. I was going to say Goethe. There you go. Go see. Oh, my God. An example of wabi-sabi right here. Okay, back to Thomas More. <laughs> the ordinary acts we practice every day at home are of more importance to the soul than their simplicity might suggest. Yeah, yeah. Thich Nhat Hanh has a whole thing about washing dishes and, mm-hmm. and being in the moment and making this kind of miraculous thing out of washing the dishes. And doesn't that relate to the simplicity of the tea ceremony? Yes, absolutely. Because it is a simple act. We all take it for granted. But it's a ceremony, literally, Right. when done in a tea house. Okay, this one isn't really connected to the others. I first heard it as an Aldous Huxley quote, but according to this book, it says the first person who said it was Bernard Bailey. But it doesn't make any difference who said it because it's fun at parties to say this. (laughs) Okay, right? When science discovers the center of the universe, a lot of people will be disappointed to find they are not it. (laughs) And I'm going to steal from my favorite TV detective, Columbo, and say, just one more thing. Okay, if you don't know who Columbo is, you know you got your work cut out for you. The saying in Japanese is, Ichigo, Ichie. And it has more than one meaning, but this is my favorite. Each moment, only once. Yeah, see, that's a keeper, too, because then if you're all caught up in some kind of internal, what do you want to call it? Dialogue. Thanks. Oh, both good. I was going to call it garbage fest. (laughs) (laughs) What were you going to say? Garbage. (laughs) (laughs) That moment's not coming back for you is what the whole point of this is. So our sole job is to try to be in that moment, in whatever that moment is, but not to criticize ourselves too much if we get out of it. Just to go back. Hence meditation. It's like going back to the breath when you're meditating. The breath is your anchor. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it, it can be the anchor. That's the, that's the job of it. But if, if you've listened to any of the podcasts, you, you know that so far we've said in every single one, it sounds so ridiculous that the first thing you should do is breathe down into your cheek pocket, but it is 100% of the time the first thing you should do. Yes. Attach your breath to your chi line so your chi line can be the reasonable decision and not the emotional outburst or the angry, angst-filled brain or whatever. All right, anybody want to say any last words? No, that was a very interesting discussion today. Totally enjoyed it and know that I am Wabi Sabi. For me, Wabi Sabi 
was really something fun to look at because as I age, there's so many imperfections that it's overwhelming. So this, I can't use that as an excuse not to push on. That is a Excellent. really good way to say it, not to obsess with that outsideness. Right. Love yourself, love your wabi-sabi. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one too. That'll be our little Zen cone <laughs> from the 2020s. Yes, it is. Clear visions. Right? <laughs> Eesh. Okay, thank you all so much for being here. Since we already said something, we're not going to say another set of goodbyes. But I will remind everybody to get in touch. Dojo Conversations at AOL, Facebook, and webpage, Wildcat Dojo. Leave us a voicemail, 954-350-1915. And we'll see what this year brings. I'm excited. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm signing out for now.